There we go. Welcome. Um, good morning. It's really good to see everybody here this morning. I think we'll make a start. Just to let you know, um, we will be recording this session and it will be available um, following a following today's session, hopefully by sort of first thing tomorrow morning. So, good morning and welcome to our webinar, Wellbeing at Work. Is technology friend or a foe? My name's Natasha Bradley. I'm the commercial manager here at Inform, and I'm really, really excited to be joined by Alex Cunningham and Mark Thompson. So before we sort of hand over to Alex, just give you a bit of a bit of housekeeping. If you have any questions throughout the session, please feel free to put them in the chat or at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll unmute you and we can have an open discussion. But this session is really meant to be an open discussion about well-being. So even though, you know, we'll, Alex will give you some hints and tips as well as Mark, we'll be, look, we'll be doing a lot of reflecting and a, a few polls as we sort of we sort of move, move forward. So um, I won't talk any longer. I'll, I'll sort of hand over to Alex to get, get things kicked off. Over to you, Alex. Thanks so much, Natasha. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, and it's a subject which is has always been a fascinating one for me. I've, I've considered myself to have a bit of a love-hate relationship with technology. Um, so we'll explore a little bit of that as we go along. The way I like to work is to get people to reflect for themselves. Uh, I'm not here to say you should do this, maybe a little guidance towards certain aspects, but the only one who can make up your mind is you. Uh, I love a good story, so and I love a good metaphor. So I'm going to start with a tale of two factory managers. The first one, they're driven, they're keen, they're results orientated. They push the factory to get the highest level of productivity they can. The business booms and, and senior management, understandably, is really impressed. And before long, they're promoted and another manager is hired to, to take over. But for some reason, this second manager doesn't have it so easy. They struggle. And the reason for that is that the first manager had kept the machines running almost all the time. They hadn't done much, if any, maintenance and the second manager found that they could only reach a fraction of the production the first one had. But it wasn't because they were less driven or any less hard working. It was because the resources they had to do a good job had been depleted. And even with the best of will, the results were poor. So I'm talking about burnout here, of course. The way businesses see their employees is important, whether that's as resources to use up and then replace or as an asset that we can nurture and invest in. So according to a survey recently taken by a company called Ceridian, they call it the Pulse of Talent Survey, 79% of respondents from this year have experienced some kind of burnout in the last year. The three biggest factors, increased workload, mental health challenges, and pressure from, from deadlines. So moving into the next slide, I think it's really useful to take examples from other sectors, from other parts of life. And if we think about the athletes, that can be Team GB, that can be the top sports teams that you follow. They are looked after. They are given the best possible chance to thrive, to, to succeed, whether that's the right food, knowing when to, to stop to have drinks, knowing how to look after the mental side of things, and there's so much data now involved in sport to know the perfect uh, recovery times and things like that. So, and they encourage them to to stop. To right, your body needs its break in order for you to be able to perform at your best when you come to to compete in whatever that sport might be. 
So the data side of things, I'm a bit of a baseball fan. It's not the most uh, appropriate sport here, but actually the same thing is happening across football. There are so many bits of data about touches, about where the most ideal part of the pitch to be is to get the right crosses in and so on. And in terms of recovery, they have so much information from how their body is depleting over the course of a game that they then know, you know, people are taking ice baths or this is what you need to be drinking. This is what you need to be eating in order to be get back to being yourself. So I've lost count of the number of businesses that say our oh, people are our greatest asset. So for me, it's time to treat them as such. Perhaps we can consider them to be corporate athletes and give them the same kind of tools, the same kind of encouragement that elite sports are giving their their athletes. So moving on again, the idea of investing in well-being can be a little bit overwhelming. There are so many providers, so many kinds of interventions. Building awareness is a nice, easy place to start. And it's coming back to these data points. It's what insight can individuals have into their own well-being so they know, hold on a second, I'm beginning to struggle here. Something is not right. And they can begin to take steps to, to change that. It needs to start with leadership and management. They need to put their oxygen mask on first. Just as we get told on the plane, if you're traveling with a child, you need to look after yourself first. So you're in a position to then support others. So we need to encourage the people in leadership roles to have a reasonable base understanding of their own well-being in order to properly support the teams and staff that are, are beneath them, that they work with. So we're le learning more and more about our greatest asset, which is this large muscle inside our heads. It's the brain. I don't know if you knew, but the, the oldest part of our brain developed over 300 million years ago before humans even existed. Uh, another part came along a couple of hundred million years ago, and between them, they're responsible for keeping us safe. They constantly check our experience against our memory in case we might be in danger. So fortunately, there's not a great deal of danger around like there was at the very beginning. There are no saber-toothed tigers, but things like notifications, emails, instant messages are actually producing a similar kind of stress response. And the impact of that stress is what leads us on that path to burnout and can lead to poor mental health. Another factor to consider is how we manage our mood and energy. If we're online more than ever, what is the impact of that? What, what can we do to counter some of the sapping activities and work that form um, part of our days? So I can almost hear some of you thinking, sure, Alex, I can get some of these concepts. That's a good start. But my finance director, my CEO or whoever it might be in my business, are seriously, they're into the numbers. They want to know figures. So what have you got for me? Well, your wish is my command. If we move to the next slide. This is a great report. It's been published a couple of times now from Deloitte. It's the Mental Health and Employers Report talking about refreshing the case for investment. So there are two sides to this. The big circles we have in the middle here are the cost to UK businesses of poor mental health. There's absenteeism, so people not coming into work. There's presenteeism, which is people working when they really shouldn't be because they're actually not in their best state, so they, they can't work to their full capacity. And then that, that turnover cost, the, the cost of people leaving businesses, whether that's because they're poorly or they just decide to move somewhere else because they aren't being supported. And on the other side of the coin, 
we can actually show or begin to show a return on investment for investing in mental well-being. Uh, the bottom text on the right there, you see the average return on investment is about five. And on the graphs on the left hand side, that average increases to about seven when you work with a group. So this makes a lot of sense. If you can work with groups, it means you can break the business apart. So if it's a construction business, you'll have people who work in the office and people who work on site and they may have very different needs. They may need to be spoken to in very different ways. And I'd like to, as we continue through, come back to the turnover cost. I think this is one we can all um, connect to. Um, back to that survey, which said 58% of respondents from the survey were open to a new opportunity. I think that was something like 19 ready to leave, 39 who would be um, willing to change jobs if the right opportunity came along. And I think the thing about the pandemic is that we've been given a huge pause for thought. It's been such a big event that everyone is starting to question things. Is this the right career for me? Is this the company for me? Do they care about me properly? Maybe do, do our values and missions align together? And businesses need to step up. But how do you stand out from the crowd? So in the next slide, I've got three and go straight on. Um, Three logos here. So you may be familiar with some of them. You may not. I'm, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So I see a lot of companies shouting about the fact that they have attained uh, certifications to show that they are really taking care of their employees. The Beagle community is a group of businesses that have to follow certain guidelines to be given that certificate to be to say we are a Beagle. They need to show that they are thinking about the future of their business, about their employees, about their clients their supply line, their customers, and the earth itself. Uh, the great places to work, the healthy places to work, again, frameworks more connected to well-being. So if there's a question, you know, here are two businesses. They're in pretty much the same sector. They do pretty much the same things, and they are reasonably equally successful. How would one manage to stand out from the other? So... For me, I would probably go and look into what are they doing to look after their staff? And this might be a reason why I would choose one over another. Moving on, uh, for me, well-being needs to be inclusive. So we need to take into consideration so many different factors. We have neurodiversity. We have the fact that people are brought up in different ways. Um, but also the way our minds work, the work, the best sort of Places for us to work, the best conditions for us to work are different depending on depending on each individual. So technology has allowed a lot of businesses to continue to thrive or to at least survive through this pandemic. But are we as individuals or as managers, are we pushing too hard like that first factory manager? To what extent is our use of tech creating low level stresses or strains on us? We need to recognize that it's hard to switch off. It's easy to forget to take breaks, to eat proper lunch, to shut the laptop. And then there's that ongoing question of where we should work. There's the social benefit of being together in the office, but there's also the commute, which drains us. And then there's the chance of spending more time with family at home. But the additional distractions of the children being around, the housework and our love-hate relationship with our smartphones, which, at least from my side, are e much easier to pick up and interact with at home as opposed to when I'm in the office. 
So businesses and governments like to create policy. They like to say, here is what we should do. But one size does not fit all. One fit, one size usually fits no one. And what it's useful to recognize and to think about in terms of well-being and where we work is that in the office, people can hide their mood to some extent. But over time, if we pay attention, it's possible to see there are signs. We might be able to go over and have a chat with Danny and say, you know, check in with them. But when we're at home, we only see them for a shorter time and it's easier to hide behind a mask. Uh, so what I'd like to briefly talk about is masks and that whole sort of how we want to come across in, in the workplace. So on the next slide, this is the most common answer to the question, how are you? And it's one of the questions we ask almost every day. It's one of the questions which has become a bit of a habit. So you might be having a meeting with 10 colleagues and you might just say, so how's everybody doing? And there are two things about this question. Usually we don't have time to listen to all the answers. And it's also a really direct question, which when we might be struggling a little bit, makes it too difficult to answer in any honest way. So the answers are usually one version or other of I'm fine. And that's how people think you want us to be. So if I'm talking to my manager, I, I want you to think that I'm fine because that feels like how I should be. So we do our best to wear a mask. We do our best to cover what's really going on. And that mask is much easier to slip on when we're on digital, when we're what just on a Teams meeting like this one. But remember, the biggest part of that 40 billion loss for businesses was people who attend work when they aren't in a good place mentally. So what can you do if you're in a place of power or what can you do if you're an inv individual to find a safe time and space to really be yourself, to truly share with somebody how you're feeling? So building in, if you're running meetings, building in time and asking the right questions is key. So moving on, I've worked with some amazing HR people on various work and well-being projects over the last couple of years. But even when they have a lot of autonomy, a good project can still stall when it doesn't receive the right support from the other leaders. If a business is making a big thing about flexible working and CEO is sending emails at midnight, do they expect to reply out of hours or is there an understanding that you can wait until your next working, your, your next proper hours? And how much trust is there in the business that you can get your job done and have the autonomy and freedom to build in the kind of rest and recovery time that you need as a corporate athlete? So leaders need to realise the example they set impacts everyone in their organisation. So some education may be needed upwards as well as across the business at the lower levels. I think it's good to think about this as setting boundaries. If the business is not good at setting them, do you as an individual or maybe as a manager feel comfortable setting them yourself? So I think this is a good time, Natasha, perhaps to just get that poll and to see what people's views are on this question. So I'm just curious to know from people who are on the call today um, where you find 
technology impacts your well-being? Do you have any insight to that? Is it that you get stuck online and find it hard to take a break? Do you find yourself more tired because you're having to be on your technology more than you maybe were in the past? Uh, any of those kind of insights? So apologies, I'm slightly new to, to Teams. I, can anyone see the poll? That's OK. I can read some of the words out. So some of the words, um, Alex, are um, constantly available, distraction from being present, um, accessibility, distraction, paranoia, mm. overwhelmed by just far too much information. Yeah. You're constantly yeah. sat down. Uh, what other ones are? Interruptions, constant interruptions expected, being expected. Um, I quite like the overwhelmed by too much information. I think that's, you can get it from different angles, can't you? Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. There's, yeah, so much is, it's a very sedentary world, um, constantly being on, on call. So it, it will depend on, on businesses, business to business. And that's where yeah. I think we come back to that idea of boundaries. And, mm. you know, it, it will feel scary to try try to set the boundaries but it yeah. might be that you that the managers will respect that and you know if the manager doesn't respect that then it's not my place but it might be that that's not a very <laughs> encouraging environment that you're working in for sure no no, no totally agree and the, the, i think the most the most popular one is just you're receiving constant updates all the time yeah so you're yeah. always on constant updates yeah, no. is the most popular yeah so again because i'm not on teams a great deal i know my wife is currently using it where she works but uh, I guess there are lots of different messages that you can be receiving all the time, emails, instant message and so on. Is that kind of the experience sometimes on Teams? Um, for me, definitely. I'm not sure if anyone wants to come off mute and give a bit more of a thought. Is anyone going to be brave? Yeah, go on. I'll jump in on this. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've recently, uh, well, we've been using Teams throughout the pandemic. We've recently um, opted for Teams as our primary communication tool um, versus email. And um, that has meant that there's been a huge spike in appropriate use of it for communications. So what is what is central communication? What is formal communication? What is informal? What is just the, a colleague conversation? So um, there's been a lot of confusion and recalibration, I suppose, to that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I think it's great. We've got Mark coming up afterwards because he's going to go into some of all the buttons and, and settings that you can have in place. If I was in that environment, I would hope that I could turn things off at different times and be allowed to do that. But I do get a sense that there has to be very, very precise communication, doesn't there? And maybe training as you begin to set that kind of policy up so that there is a clear kind of indication. OK, this is what our expectations are and this is where you have more autonomy. This is where you have more flexibility to maybe choose how you how you use it at different times. Um, I see we've got a little bit of time, um, so I, I will quickly come back to that idea of how do you get conversations going with your teams? So I'm going to come on to the small habits in a second, but I'll just stay on this slide and talk about quickly. Instead of asking people, how are you? I am proposing a little bit of a different way of looking at things, and it is talking about a personal weather report. So for me, as a British person, as an English person, it's very easy to talk about the weather. We all find it easy to talk about the weather. And so that is, again, it's inclusive. It's universal. Everyone in their own language has 
words to describe the sun or the, the rain, whatever it might be. So my idea is that we check in with ourselves to just ask ourselves the question, how am I doing today? And usually the first answer will be, I'm fine, I'm okay, because we're so used to doing it. So you actually need to maybe ask it a second time, check in properly. How am I doing? Okay, actually, you know, I can feel I'm frazzled. My head is frazzled. I've been online too long or I was up late last night, whatever it might be there. And just begin to get a sense of what how you're feeling and then try and see if you can turn that into a weather report. So if it's a great day, everything's going well, the projects you're working on are going fantastically, then it's sunny, it's bright, the blue sky is is up there, maybe a few fluffy clouds. It's kind of the ideal summery outlook. But if you are struggling, maybe there's a challenge at home, maybe there's a project you just can't seem to get your head around, or you've had an argument with your boss, then you can describe your weather as cloudy or stormy or blustery, and you can weave, you can be as creative as you like. You can you can share whatever aspect of weather feels right for you. And then what's great about that is that you're not sharing, oh my goodness, I'm so depressed, or, you know, um, my, I just lost my grandmother. You don't need to share the detail, but you can give people a sense of how you're getting on. And if you do this regularly, even if it's once a week, uh, but maybe you can do it twice or three times a week, then as a manager, you get a chance to go, oh, you know what, they've, had some pretty crazy weather for the last couple of weeks maybe I can have a conversation and then there is usually some support in most companies that they can go in maybe you'd like to have a chat with this person or HR can step in and, and, and lend a hand whatever it might be and the second thing that really helps with the fact that the idea of weather is that it is temporary so yeah we may be living in this really stormy difficult period but we know perhaps that there's a bit of sun coming through in the distance or at least some slightly less crazy weather ahead of time. So there's one one thing that I think any business can use. You can use that with your team tomorrow and see if that is the way for you to begin to have some relatively safe and relatively inclusive well-being conversations. And I'm going to take you through a tiny well-being habit to, to finish up today. So I was watching a, a, a talk and I think when we think about well-being and we think about change, whether it's as an individual or as a business, that we can have a tendency to look to do something big and almost prize worthy. Uh, and that's a great intention. But if we try and do it all too quickly, all in, all in one go, then we are setting ourselves up for a, a little bit of a fall. So this psychologist uh, was sharing how can we put in place some small well-being habits that begin to give us a foundation from which to build on to hopefully get to those big places, but just not too quickly. And Mark uh, gave me a, a wonderful example of his wife who decided to start running. Uh, I can't remember the exact steps she was taking, but it was not a lot to starting to run longer and longer distances. And I believe she's next up. She's going to be running. A, 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 it's more than a marathon. It's a a lot more than the marathon, I think. So it was because she started small that she could grow and get to the place that she is now. So that's what I like to teach you here very quickly. If we move on to the next slide, there are four sort of parts to this. So I like this and we're going to relate this to technology. So it's going to be really hard to do because I've hardly done it and I know it's and I know it works, but I keep forgetting. So you need an anchor. You need something that you do regularly. 
so that you don't have to think about when it's going to happen. It's just like, okay, this is something that I do regularly. So after this meeting, I would like you to do this. And, and, and the physical step is to close your laptop or put your PC on sleep mode. So it's to give yourself a little bit of time, a little bit of space after a meeting like this to get that moment of rest. It doesn't have to be long. And that's the pause. And I'm going to get you to do this now briefly with me. And I think we're going to do something with Mark at the end as well. But you don't need to know a great deal about why the breath is good for you. You can just place your hand anywhere on your torso and just guide your breath into that space for five breaths. And if you can slow the breaths, make them deeper, that's great. Because my tendency is to go straight into my emails, go straight onto another call, and to and, and that's when we're going we again we're driving ourselves to that burnout. We're going we're doing too much. We need to be able to give the give ourselves these little breaks. And starting tiny, so just like Mark's wife started with a small run, as much as you might say, Well, I have five Teams calls a day, I'll do it five times a day. It's a great idea, but you're starting too big. So even if it's once every couple of days, that is a good starting point because you're likely to beat that. You're likely to achieve that and maybe do it more than that. But if you say four to four or five times a day, you're likely to not achieve it. And then we have a tendency to give up uh, because we, we failed in what we were hoping to do. So you can write this out. You can put it down beside you. I intend to, when I finish my next Teams meeting or a Teams meeting, close my laptop, take a few breaths. And then you start whatever it is you're doing with just a little bit more space, a little bit more headspace um, to do to do the best job you can to thrive. So as a conclusion, like it or not, technology is here to stay. It's an important part of our daily working and home lives can move slides. And it's our attitude to it that will dictate whether it's good or bad for us. Whether you're most attracted by the potential to save costs, to drive a return on investment for a wellbeing project, or just want a chance to create a working environment where staff can thrive, healthy staff means healthy business. So for me, it's no longer that question, can I afford to invest in wellbeing? It's really become, can we afford not to invest in wellbeing? So thank you very much for listening and pass straight over to Mark. Okay, Alex, thank you very much. Uh, Let me just ask, uh, Natasha, can you hear me and can you see my screen? Yeah, but we can see your email. Okay, that's that's what I intended. Thank you. But but I appreciate you pointing (laughs) out to me. Okay, folks. So um, I'm Mark Thompson and I'm going to follow on from Alex now. Folks, I know that uh, we are getting close to half past 11. For those of you who need to drop off, we need to respect your time, of course. And feel free to drop off if you need to. We will share the recording of the practical part we're about to go over. Um, And if any of you would like uh, one-to-one with me to go over some of this, feel free to get in touch with us and we'll do that. Now, I want to focus on uh, a few tips on looking after ourselves how we can help others to look out for us and then how we can look out for other people as well. Just just some small things. And like Alex was talking about, um, I gave an example of, of my wife who 
decided to run around the block. Then she ran a little bit further. Then she did some half marathons. Then she ran the London Marathon. Then she's doing 100K in, in a few weeks. And all these little tiny steps, just the next right thing, they all add up. So let's start off with Outlook. I'm going to tell you how we can set our working hours which other people will see when they're setting up meetings with us, how we can shorten our meetings slightly to give people a short break in between their meetings. We can customise our meeting reminders, just that's one less thing to think about, uh, and then how we can help our colleagues respect our lunchtime. We're going to start off at in Outlook, top left-hand corner, click on File. Then bottom left-hand corner, to look at my screen, I appreciate this is quite small for you folks, but... Uh, Trust me, that's uh, the options button. So I'm going to click on there. And now we want to click on the calendar. Here we set our work hours. We can tell the system what time we start, what time we end, which days we work. Um, moving on a little bit further down, what I'd really like to do is shorten my appointments and my meetings. I want them to end early rather than start late. If you start late, some people will come on the hour or half past the hour anyway, and we get irritated. So we want to finish early. And... If it's less than an hour, I want to finish five minutes early. So I'm not part of that back to back to back problem. Uh, five minutes early. Now, that 10 minutes for a one hour meeting, I personally think is a bit long. So I'm going to make that five minutes as well. OK, that's set. Now, what about my reminders? So I don't want to have to, to remember when a meeting starts. I don't want to, uh, to be looking for it or making a note of it. So I want a reminder. The default is 15 minutes. Now, personally, Within 15 minutes, I can get distracted. OK, so I just want to set that to five minutes and click OK. So I've done those three things. So the system and people know when I work. I, um, I'm respecting other people's time. I've given them a few minutes between meetings. And just one less thing to stress about, I want that pop up to tell me when a meeting starts. Now, still in Outlook, I want to click on Viva Insights at the top. So I'm just in Outlook. I'm on the mail uh, app. I'm on the home tab at the top. I click on Viva Insights. Now, let's have a quick look at what we get here. So, so Viva Insights is, is, is Microsoft's uh, way of, of keeping the organization, managers, and you informed with the way we work. And we're going to focus on the, the us part of it. So you can see here that I've got an outstanding task. It's just This just helps keep you out of trouble. Preparing for meetings. It's asking me, do I add Samantha Kinstry as an important person? She's, she's the boss, so maybe I do. Uh, I'm planning my time. But what I want to do, I want to tell the world when I normally take lunch. So I'm going to click on settings, top right hand corner. And I want to say my lunch time is typically between, let's say, uh, 12.30 and uh, and 1.15. Yes, I want to set up a recurring calendar event. Click update. And if I now hop over to, uh, to my calendar. Right, so soon when that updates, might that will go across there. But while I'm here, I do want to point out this thing called focus time. OK, I'm going to come back to that. OK, so there's those four things that you can do inside Outlook to help yourself and to help others look out for you and not put uh, and not put meetings outside of your hours. Now, let's go and have a look at Viva Insights. So I just briefly told you what it is. So I am somewhere on the Internet or maybe I've gone to office.com. I click on the app launcher in the top left hand corner. And I say I'd like to go to Viva Insights. So I click on that app and you can see I ended up on this, uh, this landing page. I want to go a little bit deeper. And actually, I want to look at personal because I want some my analytics or some insights about me. OK, so while I'm here, 
you can see we've got dashboarders, useful things there for you to look at. But let's come back to that a bit because I want to look at focus time because we'll go to meetings. But when do you actually do the work that you acquired during the meetings? If you're a creative person, how do you get your head into, into a good space without people interrupting? Now, think about the poll that we did earlier. People, a lot of people said that they get interrupted and that, that the constant bombardment that we get. So let's have a look at focus. I want to just click on there and let's have a glance at what we've got. So my focus time. So I've got three days booked in the next nine days. I've got some problems. I've got meetings inside my focus time. So let's see how we set this up. I want to click on my plan configuration. Look at this it already knows my, my working time and my working days because I've set it. And when people when people set up a meeting with you, your availability, they will see that this is your working window. Now, over here. I want one hour a day of automatic time slotted in for me to focus. Generally, I like it in the morning, not before 8 a.m. And do I want to silence those notifications? Yes, I do. Think about that constant bombardment. I'm going to click uh, Save Changes. And now I want to go back to my, uh, to my focus dashboard just to have a look. Now, if I have a look at here, I can see that a handful of insights. I had meetings over the past month or so, in over six of my 13 focus time appointments. Okay, so I interrupted that, that that many times. Now, this is useful for you to go back in. If you find that you're one of those people who who just, just doesn't seem to be able to get their work done because you're always at meetings, this dashboard is a really good way for you to, uh, to, to see when your focus time is being encroached on and set that focus time up. Okay, now let's go and have a look at some well-being. I want to just see how things are working out for me. So on the left, I click on well-being. And this is looking at my quiet days. Now, quiet days, these are days when I only worked when I was meant to. So this is weekends and days when I didn't work in the morning, didn't work in the evening. So I can see that over the past month, I had 13 quiet days when I didn't work out of hours and 15 days I worked either in, in the morning, in the evenings or weekends. That's when significant activity was done outside that period. Now, I've been doing, I, I, I do a blog, I do all sorts of other stuff. So it's not as bad as it looks because I have been using my computer for other stuff. But at a glance here, you can see when you're working too much. So we get a feeling that we work too, too long, don't we? And this is a good way for you to actually see what you're doing. So you're quiet hours here. So it says that it looks like I worked during my quiet, quiet hours for a certain amount of hours per week. Now, if I um, if, if I click on, say, this little tip here, it tells me why this stuff matters. So make sure you go over and look at your well-being. Next up, we've got collaboration. So I'm going to be real quick on this one. What are my habits like? I just want some more information about this. So how many uh, meetings did I organize or accept outside or inside of my working hours? How many meetings did I focus on and not be sending emails and chats? Let's just go back to this. At a glance, I can see that I generally focus on my meetings. Um, I've been late to a couple. Um, have I given my colleagues at least a day's notice? So this is not just about looking after yourself, but looking after others. So this collaboration uh, tab is a really good way to look at the way that you work. OK, let's start wrapping up. I want to head over to uh, Teams and I want to show you a little bit about Headspace. So I'm going to click on the three little dots on the left hand side, click on Viva Insights. So we're still in that Viva Insights space. And I'm going to look at more 
mindfulness exercises. And this is just a, a tweak on what Alex was telling you. He was talking about switching off. I personally, as someone who does yoga, I like this type of exercise. So I've scrolled down and there's a one minute exercise here. And actually, we're going to do this together. So I'm going to click on here. And actually, what I want you to do, it takes about 58 seconds, folks. So I just want a quiet moment. So I'm not going to speak in this period. When the, when the sun gets bigger, I want you to breathe in. And when it gets smaller, I want you to breathe out. So we're going to do that now. We have a quiet 56 seconds together and see how you feel at the end of it. Okay, folks, there you can see just uh, just within 60 seconds, you can make a difference to yourself. So, folks, I am going to wrap up there. What I wanted to uh, get across today, I just wanted to show you some ways where you can look after yourself and your well-being with a few simple settings, how you can help other people to respect your time and how other people can look after you by you telling them and you setting the expectations for them, and also how you can look after other people with some of your habits as well. So, Natasha, can I hand back over to you? You can. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you, Alex. It's been really interesting and I've definitely learned something and I'm going to be putting it into practice once I've, once this is finished. So I'd like to just open up to the floor, really, if there's any questions for um, Alex or uh, Mark. Um, just come off mute or feel free to put it into the chat and then we can have a sort of last few seconds debate. Has anyone got any questions? Yeah, Katie. Yeah, um, I'm not so much. I'm, I'm not sure whether it's a question more. Just so I, I really appreciated this notion of, you know, turning to sports and this sort of MVP, because you're right. It's we all talk. Are you? I mean, I think every job description ever talks about how they value their people and all the rest of it. But actually, turning that genuinely into something, and I suppose maybe it's, maybe how would we have the how could we encourage the confidence to tell our bosses we need that we need that space we need that area for well-being because that's a, it is an uncomfortable conversation isn't it I don't really have any ideas Alex for how to sort of yeah. lead that conversation yeah yeah gosh uh, I have to say having difficult conversations has not always been my strong point <laughs> in my in my career as well um, it, it feels like something that will give you a, an idea as to what what kind of business you're working for as well. It, it, that sort of the level of fear that you have before you're even willing to engage. I've, I've asked people to do that in the past and said, you know, can you have this question? And often the answer comes back. It's not that kind of business. Um, but I don't know if that we, we the thing about our beliefs is that they're not always true. And sometimes we can begin to give that evidence. So I think it's 
going along with some evidence, going along with some of the numbers, if that's the kind of way they like to think, but also giving examples of why there's been a struggle, why it's been difficult and why you might need the change and what that could mean in terms of productivity, what that could mean in terms of becoming a better a better team member. Thank you. Fabulous. Thanks for the question, Katie. Thanks, Alex. Um, Dan's posted a question in the in the chat. So have you ever utilised Pomodoro technique? So I'll, um, I have something that I, I, I can get easily distracted. I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, and there is something which is similar to Pomodoro. So Pomodoro, I think, is 20, something like 20 minute or 25 minute slots. You give yourself this much time to do a task. Uh, and if ever you are struggling to, to get through a certain amount of work, there are, there are various, um, providers for this kind of thing. You can do something called Focusmate where you sign up and you can do a 25 or a 50 minute session and you're just paired with someone. You share your goal for the session. You work together just looking at each other's picture from time to time. And then you catch up with each other at the end for maybe a minute or two to say, so how did you get on? This is what went well. This is what was maybe more difficult. And that can be even when you are part of a business. I know a lot of people who still use that as a great chance to to feel like you've got a sort of a work partner, even though you're working from home and to really focus down on one thing at a time. Fabulous. Thanks for the question, Dan. Um, Paul? Hi, guys. Really, really insightful um, input. Um, Alex, as always, and, and, and Mark, for the first time I've, I've heard you speak, really interesting stuff. Um, I've spoken to Alex about this before, and, and, and one of my kind of sh- well-being shifts was about being proactive and kind of future-focused about my well-being. But I still do that kind of on a scrap of paper. You know, I, I colour code my diary with a highlighter pen and say, this is how I'm going to feel, and there, what co- what kind of well-being practice do I need to ramp up to prepare myself for that? But I'm still doing it, as I said, with a with a pen and paper. Do you, do you know of any technology that would help me do that in a, with a future focus? Mark, any thoughts? So I so I don't have one off the top of my head. I wonder if uh, anyone who hasn't spoken yet could could help with that. Just to put that out a little bit, if anyone can help with uh, Paul's question. I don't, know, I don't know if it is something that teams could do that I just I'm not utilising well enough. But you know I, I still. I still go through my kind of outlook calendar, print it off, mm-hmm. look at the week and say, look, those are some red times in my diary. Those are some yeah. amber and those are some green. And I look at the balance and say, look, that looks like a good week. Um, although I might need a bit of a pick me up on a Tuesday afternoon or it looks like a really tough week. I'm definitely taking Friday off and playing golf. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do it kind of manually. And I, I just this, even just the technology you just kind of quickly demonstrated on Teams, I'll, I'll, it, there must be something out there that allows me to do that with a bit more of a helicopter yeah. approach rather than just look, looking at it week to week. Yeah, sure. So those um, that the Viva Insights is, gives you a good overview uh, over a one month period. What I think I'll do, Paul, is I'll just explore that a little bit more with your question in mind. And maybe I'll just pop that out and I'll share that with everybody afterwards. Um, I'll just have a look at that before, but I think I think it's definitely worth having a look in there. But I'll just explore a little bit deeper and see whether something comes up. Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. That's great. That's great, Mark. And Dan's just put a sort of a note into the chat saying Focus Assist can be a good tool, which is built into your Windows desktop. It mutes or reduces notifications. Um, and then I think the necessary, but just be aware of settings and Outlook. 
it's really, it's, it's really good demonstration of inclu- inclusivity and selflessness. Um, Eleanor's put a statement in, you can categorise emails and events on Outlook, that helps. So I sort of do that. I colour code my by my week. So if it's internal meeting, I have one colour. If I'm going to be out on the road, it's another colour. And that's just for my benefit of when I have a quick glance, I can I can quickly see because of my colour coding um, where, what's going to be happening that week. So that might be just a little, little small tip that you could, you could try. Does um, anyone have any other questions? Or does anyone have any thoughts or anything that they feel that they could help the group? Yes, Katie? Uh, Hi, sorry. Um, I was just going to say that one of the things that I find, I started using Teams since I've been with this company and I hadn't used it before. And I would say that one of the things that I've noticed and it actually you do have to remind yourself of advances because sometimes you still often feel oppressed by all the stuff that is still happening, but remind yourself of all the improvements that have happened. The working out in the open that you get from Teams often feels easier I think because it's you're not I don't feel like I'm in a silo of I'm working in this email and I'm responding to this email I feel like I'm working even though I work from home on my own I actually feel connected to my colleagues and that there is sort of a a wider understanding and awareness of the work and and sometimes often people will chip in and help with different areas so actually that sense of collaboration even when you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed by work does help and I, I mean that's something also as well that Mark I'm, as a star trainer has helped me a great deal of understanding that collaborative element but that was a, sh- a massive shift in mindset when I started here yeah. so I think that's, that's a big really part of that journey to well-being yeah really good really really good point really good has anybody else got any thoughts that they'd like to bring up before we sort of close today's session I guess I, I mean, I'd like to just add to that, to Katie's point, really, in terms of another kind of shift in well-being practice that I I noticed a big difference with. And that was kind of giving the gift of, of mm-hmm. well-being time. And, I, you know, I got, I got quite into kind of well-being practice and, and looking after myself, but it often felt a bit selfish. You know, even that conversation I've just mentioned where I'd, I'd look at the diary and take a bit of time back for me and. And particularly when that start, started it to impact in that conversation between work and home, particularly through the pandemic when everybody was working at home. So so sharing my diary with my other half and actually us giving each other well-being time gifts, you know, so it's much easier for my wife to say to me, why don't you play golf on Friday? than it is for me to take it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so just that, yeah. Shi- just that shift in practice. And I think that kind of builds on Katie's point as well about being having that visibility, allowing others to say, maybe you need to take a bit of time back is so much easier to receive than taking it for yourself. That's definitely an interesting point. Thank you, Paul. I think John's got a question or a statement to bring in. Okay, so I'm a newbie on uh, Teams, total newbie. Um, No problem, John. I've been hearing people talk on this subject since about 2013 had people come down to Croydon and you know talk about it I just wanted to say I'm really pleased to hear that the whole thing is evolving with so much more sort of subtlety and precision and uh, it's really good to hear that you know I think when people were talking about uh, well-being in corporate situations 
it was very kind of rough hewn, I think, when we were talking about it in like 2013. And I'm just very pleased to hear the sort of subtlety, really, of the discussion and the sort of great insights. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much, John. That's 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 really kind. Thank you. Hi, Meg. Hi. Um, I just wanted to sort of, I guess it's not really a question, it's more of a statement, but I think it's really important that um, managers are really open with their teams about allowing them to speak freely about it. I know my manager is very open and I'm able to, you know, talk about my personal, you know, things that are going on in work, but also things that are going on in my personal life. And I'm really fortunate that I'm able to do that because that helps me a lot. But I think it's really important that managers are um, open with their teams um, and and allow them to be honest and, and open about how they're feeling. I think that's the main thing, really, is, is, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking to your manager about it, then nothing's going to change. Yeah, I, think it's a, I think it's a very, very good point there. Thank you, Meg. And Dan? Sorry, yeah, I think it's more of an extension of uh, Meg's comments okay. there. And I think um, she's spot on in understanding the, the relationship that you can have with your, your management groups. And I remember, recall, having the CEO in a previous um previous role where I would actually be told off for requesting leave um, not because I was doing the wrong thing but his his phrase and his comment was is that I pay you for your quality not your time um, how you choose to spend your time to achieve that quality I leave to you so just understanding what levels of accountability you have when it comes to your line management and your hierarchy for your organizations I think is really important to decide how you can then best spend your time to achieve these well-being outcomes Yes, that's great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. And the comment, Mark's put a sort of comment in to say some companies have introduced no meeting Fridays for staff to catch up and end the week. I'm not sure if anyone's come across that or how experience of no meetings Fridays. Yeah, so I heard that, Natasha, on, uh, I think it was Mary Jo, Fo- Mary jo Foley on Windows Weekly. They had some guests on and apparently it's becoming um, more popular. And it's just a really great way for your staff mm-hmm. to be able to wrap up the week and close off. And just should just end the week with closure and have clear decks ready for uh, for the next week. I think that sounds fab, Mark. I really like it as well. <laughs> and if anyone is listening, we all know that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, we really like that. Well, thank you ever so much for all the questions and thoughts. It's um It's been a very, very interesting session and I hope you all found it very useful. Um, we will be sending out the recording um, sort of hopefully first thing this morning and um, sorry tomorrow morning so if you have any questions or any further thoughts then please let us know and we can we can get you in touch with Alex and Mark so thank you ever so much for everybody's input it's been really appreciated a really great session have a good afternoon everybody take care thanks everyone